It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like, it's funny. Welcome to Girl at the Game, the podcast by women for everyone in partnership with CLNS Media. We're your hosts, Gabrielle, founder of Girl at the Game, and Al of Nesson. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Al, how are you feeling? <laughs> I think we both mentioned before we started recording, we're in a mood. It's way <laughs> too hot in the city of Boston. I am without central air for the first time in my life. I know champagne problems, but this humidity is just so miserable. And as a result, everything bad that happens to me today is just... It just feels worse, I'm right? that much more pissed about it because yeah. it's just humid too. My first apartment in LA had no air conditioning at all. And LA is like usually fine in terms of temperature. I mean, there's like, it's chilly in the winter and I had heat, so that was fine. And then in the summer, it's mostly like the same temperature. It's usually like mid 80s. And if I wasn't in the house all day because I was at work, it wasn't a big deal. But there was one week when I lived in that apartment in July, where actually right around this time of the year, two years ago, it was 105 degrees or higher every single day for a full week. And there was one day that I worked from home and I literally sat in my bathing suit in the bathtub and I balanced my computer on the closed toilet seat. And I sat in cold water in the bathtub because it was the only way that I could be in my apartment without actually dying of heat stroke. Yeah. I'm sorry, but window units just Mm -hmm. don't cut it. I know I sound like such a snob, but like I grew up. No, we had them when I was a little kid. Oh my God. I can't live without it. Oof. Anyway, speaking of terrible, (laughs) terrible things. Well, this isn't terrible, but it's, I just feel like I should mention it's the two-year anniversary of LeBron signing with the Lakers. So congratulations to him. And basketball is on its way back, kind of. I don't know. I mean, Florida is a disaster, but the Celtics are there. So that's. Well, that's why Joel Embiid rolled up in a hazmat suit. How funny was that? Funny, but I'm also like, everyone should wear one. So they should just play in them. I know. It'd be funny at least. Got to get that content. I mean, NBA fashion is content in itself, but what if they start coming in with like Balenciaga and Versace hazmat suits? And oh like, God, just like a Louis I mean, Vuitton classic hazmat suit, but like for your whole yes. body. Love it. I we'll loved Kemba's that. little green mask with his number eight on it. I wanted, I want one of those when he was on the plane. Yeah, a lot of teams have come out with like the cutest branded. Did the Celtics sell those? I dig it. They should if they're not already. I want one. I have to say, though, so like all the players are posting stuff on social about getting down there and the hotel rooms and getting fed and all that kind of stuff. And talk about champagne problems, like a little tone deaf of Ennis Cantor to be complaining about his hotel room. Right. There's like millions of people unemployed and dying of coronavirus. And he's like, this is it. This is my room. I'm like, dude, it's like free room and board for months and you still get to make millions of dollars. Like I get it. It's like, it's not your luxurious home that you're used to living in, but it's still a lot better than what most people have. And it's stuff like that, that reinforces the trolls who think that athletes are privileged and spoiled. Oh yeah. And like, 
I think we've established, and as Cantor is definitely a friend of the program, um, not that we've we ever had a him or, but like all the work he does for freedom and liberation, he is just like one of the model advocates, I think, in the NBA. But Absolutely. yeah, so tone dope. I love how he backed it up today, like talking about how good his the food was, but still like to be complaining about your accommodations when like what the WNBA just side note is dealing with. I was going to say, they have like worms in their accommodations. Mouse traps in the laundry room. And like, I'm not going to judge where they're staying off of what like the laundry room looks like because it's a laundry room. Like what school has nice ones? You know what I mean? But like, oh my God, you could have at least gotten rid of the mouse traps and like all the, like the meals that they were posting. Those poor women. I'll be honest. If I played for the WNBA, I would be skipping this and I would just be training or doing my thing to stay in shape and not dealing with any of this, especially the ones with families. Like this is for the birds. It just shows you how much of a divide there is between a man's sport and a woman's sport. And like, it's just kind of frustrating. Like let's not get it twisted. Like team owners are still the problem here because they're billionaires and they don't want to pay people. Like they're still the problem number one, but you can understand more where the Twitter trolls are coming from when they complain about millionaire athletes, because the athletes aren't doing themselves a favor in this department when they complain about their accommodations. When they have golf and free manicurist world. Like I get that it's a long time to be there, but like, There's so much for you guys to do right now. And I think Jason Tatum said it best, saying it would be insensitive to not come back when there's millions of people out of work. So it's like really insensitive to be crapping on the accommodations when, like we said, millions of people in this country are out of work. But I do think the one real complaint they get to have, it's a lot to ask to leave their families. I mean, Robin Hayward's Instagram post yesterday, like, broke my heart. I know. It was so sad, especially when she said that Gordon Hayward puts the kids to bed every night and sits with them until they fall asleep. And then now these little girls are just without their dad. And they, yep, they got and- used to him being around. I mean, that's the other thing is, like, they're these kids are used to their parents not being around all the time. But then their dads have now been home for months and they're just around all the time. And now the kids are used to that. And I feel like that's a a completely separate issue from, you know, the accommodations, complaints and everything, because the legitimate thing here is that you have men who are leaving their families behind. And you and I talked about hoping that families would be allowed to come to Disney World. Looking like they will, a very select few of that. It's not obviously definite yet, but it's looking like they want to have families come back after the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. But still, that's quite a substantial amount of time. We're looking at playoffs in September and October, so. It's just rough. It's like you just feel for these kids. Do you see Brad Wanamaker bringing the pillow with his kid's yes, photo on it adorable. on the plane? And Tatum and posting the Instagram stories with of Deuce. little Deuce. And then Kemba's like, I'm single and I don't go anywhere, so I'm cool. (laughs) Right, I know. Baseball's also coming back, and fortunately for them, they've really lucked out. It looks like they're going to be able to stay in their home ballparks when they're not on the road for away games throughout the whole season. So they really lucked out there that Mel B was not into the centralized location idea. 
Especially because Arizona and Florida are now like the two global hotspots of the pandemic. It's like, can you imagine shooting fish in a barrel if they'd been in Arizona? (laughs) Did you see that chart that was like cities and countries that have the highest outbreak, new case outbreak numbers per day? And I it's didn't, like, but they're great. all, it's Arizona and Florida and South Carolina are the top three before any other place, not in the country, in the world. Speaking of coronavirus, I have to rant for a second because I just wrote an article about this for girlatthegame.com. I got a surprising amount of support for this article, but there's always like those one or two Twitter trolls that just are up your butt about what you wrote. I wrote about Joe West. The aging umpire who never gets it right has been in the media all week making dumb comments about coronavirus and saying how he intends to umpire this season, even though he's 67 years old, massively overweight, and has high blood pressure. And none of those things, like calling him overweight, it's not like a Pablo Sandoval insult situation. I'm stating for a fact that those three things make him high risk for coronavirus. And MLB was apparently shocked that he intended to work this season and he could have opted out and gotten full pay because he's high risk. Instead, he's planning on working. But the problem is that he thinks coronavirus is like a hoax. (laughs) Are you surprised? I'm not surprised because he's like a Florida man. And also loves when he's the center of attention. You know what I mean? Like maybe he doesn't even feel that way, but just wants to be like edgy and have a spotlight on him. Like that's so Joe West. One of the reasons that he wants to come back and work is because he's only something like 65 games away from having the most games ever called. He's 65 games away from beating out Bill Clem to have like the number one spot. So he wants to work this season so that he's closer to that goal before he retires, which like in normal circumstances, I would understand. In a global pandemic, that's a dumb reason to come to work when you're high risk and you think that the disease is a hoax. You might not reach that record if you get COVID. So, um, yeah. yeah. No, but the reason it's so (laughs) annoying is because it would be one thing if he was like, I know I'm high risk, but I take it really seriously and I want to come to work. But he's not saying that. He's saying, I know I'm high risk. I don't care because I think think it's a hoax. And I want to come to work because I want to set a personal record and like have that glory for myself. It's not about baseball for him. It's about himself. You can't trust somebody like that to be respectful. And the only way that baseball is going to be successful this year is if there is mutual trust between everybody involved, that everyone's going to abide by the rules. And somebody who thinks that coronavirus is a hoax clearly isn't going to take those rules seriously. And especially with the delays in testing we've seen thus far, like that's a huge concern for like, I saw like it's a Colin McHugh had like, yeah, pretty good stuff to say about it but I know MLB came out and said it was a backup 4th of July weekend this lab in Utah is supposedly running seven days a week for an MLB but still I mean yes but also like saying that July 4th is an unforeseen circumstance as if we haven't been celebrating July 4th for over 200 years is kind of a bullshit cop-out don't you think like who could have foreseen this country's birthday really You weren't prepared for that? You know why you're not prepared for that? Because you spent three months complaining about money instead of working on health and safety protocols. Right. We know the tests are working for the Red Sox. Because Erod has it. Erod has it. And he's sick. Who are the other two players that? Erod has it. Darwin's and Hernandez has it in Miami. So he he has to test negative twice before he can even fly up to Boston. And then 
I don't remember if it's Josh Smith or Josh Taylor because they look exactly the same. I believe it's Josh Taylor, and I believe he's in Boston already. Yeah, he is. Waiting this out in a hotel. Yeah, apparently he and Darwinson are both asymptomatic, but they have it. And then Bobby Dahlbeck has it, and he's asymptomatic. And then they were, Devers was exposed to it, so they were like oh, they really made him cautious wait. with his return. He only came back yesterday, uh, but yeah, today but he, he, just, he did say that uh, he's ready to go. Season started today. Did you he watch in the work at the Red Sox? Uh, I didn't watch any of the training. I just watched the Zoom press conferences. So I watched the the intra squad game. It was so weird. For starters, I mean, we knew it was going to be weird to not have any fans in the stands and have Fenway quiet where you can hear every echo like it's weird because usually you can't hear anything you know you'll hear the ball leaving the bat but you literally could hear the player swing his bat and miss it's like it's like practice before the game like that's what it would be reminiscent of they're gonna have to do a lot to make the actual games have life in them because what I took away from watching the game today was how much energy fans bring to the experience of a game because it was such a an obvious even more than I thought there would be there was such an obvious difference playing without fans and then of course there's like the actual game itself which was really confusing because you have no announcer the only thing that they had on the screen for the periscope was if a player came up to bat, they would put the player's name at the bottom of the screen or if a pitching change happened. But there was no score. There was no gra- little graphic of like having runners on the bases or the outs or the balls or the strikes. None of that. Didn't even know what inning it was. So at the end, everyone who was watching the game, me, Jen McCaffrey, Tom Karen, like everybody who was watching kind of tweeted the same thing. They were like, so I guess the game's over. We didn't even <laughs> realize. We couldn't tell. And also because both sides were wearing red uniforms. So you couldn't tell who was playing on which side. J.D. Martinez bat for each team. Devers took three at-bats in 20 minutes because he bat for each side multiple times. It was so confusing. At like, least give those guys some pennies so you can tell who's, I know. who's on what like, team. You can't tell when they're all wearing bright red and you're not using professional cameramen who are like zooming in on faces and stuff. I mean, it was... I was like, I was like, I'm really That's happy to back, but it was whatever. At least Evaldi was good. Yeah. Um, like, aside from the strangeness of playing baseball during COVID times, like let's how they actually look like, <laughs> let's like, it's funny because like for so long we've gone, we've been trying to write and talk about sports amid the coronavirus. And it's like, it's like, you almost forget that like, oh wait, they practice today and there's actual athletic competition and injury updates to talk about. Like it's it back to confusing. normal. I've forgotten how to cover a baseball game. I was like, right? it's like, so oh, wait, like what type, we should be paying attention to what kind of pitches he's throwing too, other than the fact of all these safety precautions. But you have, you, it's hard to tell because first of all, it was broadcast on Periscope. So it's not like high quality footage. There's no announcer telling you what's going on. I realized how much I rely on OB and Eck and Remy to tell me how someone's doing because, I mean, you can eyeball it, but Devers had a hit, for example, in like his second of three at-bats during the game. They were all in the in a span of literally 15 minutes to the point where I was like, wait, is he batting again? Didn't he just, but he kept switching teams so he could bat again and again. And <laughs> It kind of felt like a middle school gym class. But yeah, so he blooped one into left field. And whoever was out in left field, I couldn't even tell who it was. Like, it might have been Benny, but I don't think so, because Benny would have made that catch. But it was so far away that I was like, well, whoever missed that, 
and let Devers get on base. Like, I can't tell my eyesight's not good enough for this. It's like, it showed me how much I rely on like the actual baseball format. It was hard. It was like hard to follow the game. Like when the, when the game score was announced that it was like the Red Sox beat the Red Sox four to zero. I was like, when did they score four runs? <laughs> like was John Andrew, like, cause John Andrioli hit a home run. He hit like, he wrapped a home run around the pesky pole. He hit a home run off Brandon Workman. I don't think anyone could tell if there were actually three players on base or if some of those players were the infielders, infielders? who were guarding oh, the bases because they were all wearing red jerseys. Gotta love it. How did so we talk about do? So speaking of how much Joe West is unnecessary for this game, Jason Veritek was a very passionate and fair umpire today. And he was extra hard on Christian Vasquez, which was funny because, like, you know, catchers got to hold each other accountable, I guess. But he tightened right? up that strike zone when Vasquez was hitting, which was really funny. But he seemed to really enjoy. Well, if you catching. think about it, who better would you want than a catcher? Like, exactly. they probably have all the training you need. Like, definitely they're 10,000 hours and squatting in front of an ump. It was really funny. I also just felt for him, though, because it must have been really hot in Boston today because he, he was wearing the blue umpire shirt, the polo. But by the end of the game, it was kind of like tie-dye blue because there were just massive sweat patches all over it. So it must have been really hot out there in the sun. Oh, I'm melting into a puddle just seeing my apartment. I feel for those guys today. <laughs> I know. I can't. We had the fans going today. I think our house here has air conditioning. I'm pretty sure, but we never use it. The Cape doesn't usually get that hot, but today it was really hot. So I had all the ceiling fans and like the, we have like an oscillating fan from literally 1970 that sounds like an airplane propeller. And I had that going until we started recording. And I was like, there's no way we can record with this thing on. Right, that's the thing. Exactly. I know. I had to shut oh, yeah, the it's... off too. <laughs> I would just like to preface this by saying though, that it's very funny that I was the one that was like, Al, we should have a football heavy episode this week because I have a lot of football to talk about. Did you ever think that was going to happen? I didn't, but I love to see it. Uh, so, yeah, a <laughs> lot of football stuff to talk about with you guys. But first, we are going to hear from our friends at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making their way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. And Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The perfect advertiser for the return of sports. I'm ready for our football. Let's talk football. All right, so uh, tons of NFL news this week. Pat Mahomes got paid, and Cam Newton did not. But Cam Newton is officially a patriot. It's not about the money. It's about the respect. Which, you know what? I respect that. And it's funny because we literally, originally, our intro was going to be the Cam Newton soundbite of him saying, I think it's funny to hear a woman talk about routes. And I'll tell you, if I'm ever allowed back at Gillette this season, I dare you. Um, you better believe I'm going to ask about some routes. Isn't that but, the first thing I tweeted to you when we heard the news? I was like, yes, ask him about I routes. It. <laughs> but Cam Newton still has a little bit of growing to do as a person 
I still welcome him to New England with open arms. Oh my God, it's going to be covering Tom Brady compared to covering Cam Newton is going to be night and day so much more fun. Even even though I have to transcribe his Instagram captions into English. But did you see when the Patriots, like shout out to Pat's social personally. The hype video was good. I know a few of those girls, so, like, there is a little bit of a bias, but they do a damn good job. And between the hype video they released and also announcing the official signing in Cam Newton's signature font hieroglyphics was just – it was perfect. So, clearly, not my area of expertise – What's the deal with him and the font thing? I know that was like very Jerry Seinfeld for me to be like, what's the deal? But why does he do that? I have no idea. But when he's asked about it, it's just this thing. And when he's asked about it, he's like, this is how I type. If you don't like it too fucking bad. Like, (laughs) respect, Cam. Sure. Well, he's definitely going to be more interesting than Tom. All I eat is avocado Brady. And not to mention on the field too, we finally have a quarterback that doesn't look like a baby gazelle when they run. I cannot wait. If Cam Newton is healthy, we former league MVP Cam Newton, what Bill Belichick is going to do with this offense, with Cam, just the options they're going to run and his size and speed, if he's healthy, like, oh, it's, I wasn't excited for much this NFL season. And this just, mm, it like electrocuted like new life into me. It's going to be a very different kind of relationship with Belichick and Newton than you would think about the Brady-Belichick. Because I feel like from what I've always seen, Brady and Belichick always had like kind of a, not like a father-son relationship, but like at least for a time before kind of the TB12 drama started with Brady's partner. like a mentor-mentee relationship for sure. Yeah, maybe at least like an uncle, like a... I, like Mr. Turner and Sean from Boy Meets World, kind of. Yeah. Um, and I believe they have a so, good relationship to this day. Um, I think it was just time. Well, I think it was time. For both parties yeah. to move on. Yeah. And I but, think they both want to prove that they can win without the other person because, you know, they've been playing together this entire time. And so it's kind of like, well, they each want to prove that they can do it. Like Tom Brady wants to prove that he's the best quarterback of all time. And it's not just because of Belichick's coaching and Belichick wants to prove that he can coach any quarterback to a Super Bowl and that's why I'm so excited about this Cam Newton new era of the Patriots because Bill is gonna have a chip on his shoulder and you know Cam Newton has one because this man is so predictably signing with the Patriots for the vet minimum because no other team had the balls to take a chance on him I I mean like yeah the injuries are a huge factor but oh my god how did no one pick this man up before the Patriots there are so many teams out there with just trash quarterbacks and they didn't even bite at the former league MVP I don't know I think Richard Sherman said it best like I don't know if he said it particularly but he was very vocal about this man having to sign for the league minimum and like it's true put some respect on his name Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Definitely kind of liven the Patriots up. I mean, they kind of have been, I don't want to say like a very bland organization, but they kind of remind me of the Yankees of football in that they are, you know, very clean cut and they win a lot of championships and a lot of people don't like them. And Cam Newton 
definitely shakes things up. Hot take. Later. Will Cam Newton, even though he's done like a lot of unlikable stuff in the past, like between the it's funny to hear women talk about routes. I feel like we should put a little the way uh, blurb in there. I think we should use we that one this to. week just from just in honor of Cam Newton. We'll bring it back from the trailer. That's the intro for sure. But um, between the it's funny to hear women talk about routes and like his antics after the Super Bowl, storming off the field, whatever. Like he's caught some he's caught some hate in the past, but. I think Cam might just F around and make the Patriots kind of likable. He'll have to get me to like him first, but I'm at least, my my curiosity is at least, I'm intrigued. It's hard when you have, when within the AFC, you have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, which brings us to Pat Mahomes. Got, got paid. paid. Up to $503 million contract. 10 years on this extension. The first time an NFL player had the most lucrative contract in all of sports. Smoked Mike Trout's deal. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think every other guy is going, every other up and coming quarterback from here on out is going to have a contract like this. But the NFL is up for some new TV deals. It'll be interesting to see what the salary cap does. But still, I don't know. If we'll see a team lock a guy up like this for 10 years for half a billion dollars, that is banana land. My conspiracy theory is that the NFL thinks that the world's going to end before the next 10 years. So they're offering him this so that because they know that the the world won't be around by the time they have to pay up. But that's just my uh, that's just my like catastrophic. Well, it's really it's really almost unfathomable to think about the year. 2031. I know when you tweeted it, I was like, "Babe, 2031 doesn't exist. That's not a real thing." The Mayans. I mean, 2020 didn't even be around that long, right? So there's no way that society is smart enough to stop destroying itself in the next 10 years. Like we're just not. We are not trending towards being better. We are trending towards being worse. I mean, America specifically. There might not be an America in 10 years the way we're going. So you know. Hey, Shout out to Pat Mahomes. Get that money while you can. I hope a lot of it was up front. Who knows where we'll be 10 years from now. That's horrible to think about. But okay. that being said, um, <laughs> to go off this trajectory of the world being a terrible place and society not making it that far. We have some more NFL news, but going to tone it down a little. Um, make some more serious stuff to talk about with Deshaun Jackson's comments. I'm sure that probably affected you personally, Gab. So uh, Gab, go off. So Deshaun Jackson posted in his Instagram story a picture of a page of a book, and it was Hitler talking about Black people and Jewish people. And Deshaun Jackson was like in support of like, he was posting it in support of like what it was. I mean, first of all, any normal human being, they hear the name Hitler and they're like, evil man, evil murderous man. Probably uh, not included in a lot of those inspirational calendars with quotes or fortune cookie papers. So yeah, probably not. So like, that's the first thing. There are so many other quotable people that you could quote to get your point across. Just don't quote Hitler for starters. Being a Jewish person, for starters, you like live with the shadow of the Holocaust in your life. Just like 
your entire existence because you grow up hearing about it from your parents and your grandparents. Friends of mine had grandparents who were Holocaust survivors. A ton of my family was wiped out in the Holocaust. The only reason I'm alive is because my great grandmother, who I'm named after, promised her mother that she would come to America. And so they came to America before all of this started. But otherwise, like I wouldn't be here today because most of my family is gone because of Hitler. So when you're a Jewish person and you see somebody invoking Hitler's words, it is traumatic. It is upsetting. The same way, like, I don't know if you saw this today, but there was a fashion brand that was selling swastika necklaces, like one of those fast fashion websites, Shein, was selling a swastika necklace for $2.50. And all of these people were like, well, it's the Buddhist form of the swastika because what Hitler did was he took the swastika and he inverted it and turned it a little bit. So it's a swastika, but it's like, it's kind of like that meme of, can I copy your homework? Yeah, but just don't let it be too similar to mine. Yeah, but um, people in Western civilization are not going to see that. Right. And so like yeah. people were like, well, it's a Buddhist symbol. And I'm sorry that Hitler stole the symbol from you, but he turned that symbol into something that represents evil. And that's never going to go away for Jewish people. So that's the whole thing. Like we've talked about cancel culture before and how the problem with cancel culture is that there's no levels to cancel culture. You decide someone's canceled and they're canceled. Cancel culture prohibits people from learning from their mistakes. Some people are past the point of return. A young teenager who makes a dumb comment is not the same as like a grown person who has repeatedly done and said hateful things for their entire life. So when you cancel someone, you don't afford them the opportunity to grow and change and become better. You're just shutting them down instead of offering them the chance to grow. And so what I appreciated about the Deshaun Jackson situation was that Deshaun Jackson issued an apology, spoke with Jewish leaders, and committed to going to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. to learn about it. What Stephen Jackson did was support Deshaun Jackson. And then even after Deshaun apologized, Stephen Jackson doubled down on his comments. And it was so disappointing to see because one of the reasons that Jewish people are so adamantly anti-racist or I don't want to speak for all of them, but the majority of Jewish people are passionately anti-racist because Jewish people know what it's like to be targeted and murdered and tortured and exiled because Jewish people have been there throughout history too. Jews are subject to anti-Semitism. And obviously the color of my skin is a privilege. And I know that. Jews aren't trying to say, that they're not trying to make it like a measuring contest. They're not trying to keep score. Jews are just saying, to an extent, we feel your pain. We empathize because Jewish people have been hated for thousands of years as well. And so for Stephen Jackson to be such a proud member of the Black Lives Matter movement, but then to turn around and make these statements about Jewish people is really disappointing because you can't just be against one kind of hate and not the others. Like you can't be against racism against Black people and then not be against anti-Semitism towards Jewish people. That's not how it works. You have to be against all kinds of hatred. Otherwise, you don't stamp it out. If you don't unite to eradicate these things, then they continue to fester and eat away at society. And so it sucked because this whole time I've been like, Stephen Jackson's amazing. He's taking care of Gianna Floyd and he is so inspiring. And then he comes out and says this and I'm like, so... I care that you get to live a safe life, but you don't care that I get to live a safe life. I care that Black people should be allowed to live without fear, but you don't afford me the same consideration. 
that's not how it needs to work. It needs to be all forms of hate and bigotry and racism are wrong and bad. Absolutely. And I think that's why Julian Edelman's response was just, he clearly took his time with it and didn't it just perfect. jump on board to make a statement for sake of making a statement, but very classy. One coming from a place of forgiveness and encouraging further growth and talking about how much he respected Deshaun as like a football player too. Mm-hmm. Of him because a lot of people would have lost their cool about that, I think. Yeah. Problem is that if he lost his cool, it would have reflected badly on Jewish people. It wouldn't have been productive. As as frustrating as it is, because I've spent the last like three days on Twitter having to tell people it's not okay to put swastikas on stuff. And I can't believe I'm saying that in 2020. I learned about the Holocaust in school as a thing of the past. And here I am in 2020, having people try to defend the use of swastikas to me, a Jewish girl and a rabbi's daughter. And it's like, are you freaking serious? Like, do you not understand how insensitive it is to tell a Jewish person that I should be okay? When your freedom of speech is telling someone, I hope you die in a gas chamber, which is something someone has said to me on Twitter before, you don't deserve your freedom of speech. Yeah, there's just so much civil unrest right now. And so much of it is racially charged. It's so weird that they would like want to just add more to this that like also really I want to be really careful with my words here and I don't want to say like it discredits the work that they're doing on the Black Lives Matter forefront but when you make comments like that it takes all the Black Lives Matter haters and gives them a reason to discredit the movement as a whole you know what I mean exactly yeah I mean that's what so many people in my mentions have been saying they're saying Clearly, if you're pro-Black Lives Matter, you're anti-Jewish people or you're anti-Israel or you're anti-this. And it's like, well, it's oh. not It's not supposed to be a political issue. It's just supposed to be like being a freaking good human being. People think that having a Twitter account means that everyone wants their opinion at all times. Mitchell Schwartz, who plays for um, the Chiefs, he had a nice statement yesterday saying, as a Jewish American in the NFL, I stand with my brothers of all races and creeds against any form of discrimination and hate. And he went on to say um, that one of the things that he loves about playing football is that the locker room has always been a diverse place. And he said that all of his teammates have always been supportive and interested in his Judaism. But at the same time, he's watched anti-Semitism rise in America and he wants the Jewish community and Black Lives Matter movements to work together and denounce racism and bias in all forms. And that's exactly what it is. Turning it into a fight between Black Lives Matter and Jewish people is exactly what racist people want because they want us to destroy each other instead of destroying them. That was like really powerful. And I don't, (laughs) you have me at like kind of a loss, but I mean, I feel for you because I can only imagine like how all this made you feel it's just really scary in 2020 to like realize that the world isn't safe for me things just need to be safe enough so that we can return back to normal because at this point people just have nothing to do but be divisive but at the same time anti-semitism was rising before this i don't want us to go back to that normal i want us to go into a new normal where like being a nazi is unacceptable Supporting Hitler is unacceptable. Having a swastika tattoo should be illegal. It's not freedom of expression. It's hate speech. 
That's one of the reasons I've always really liked Julian Edelman, even though I'm not a big football fan, because seeing a Jewish person who was so proudly Jewish and also like he didn't grow up religious. He's talked about a lot of times. He didn't embrace it until way later in life. And to be from a place where your football team is owned by a Jewish man and then to have a Jewish football player playing for a Jewish football team owner, seeing yourself represented makes such a huge difference. Like seeing somebody out there who's representing your people, it's such a sense of pride. It always has been. It was the same way when Kevin Euclid and Gabe Kapler played for the Red Sox and then Craig Breslow, the same way like Hank Greenberg and Sandy Koufax were always talked about in my family growing up. Ryan LaVarnway, who we had on a couple weeks ago, like seeing those people represent your people is such a huge sense of pride, especially from like a small religion like Judaism and a, a people that is so hated around the world. It makes you feel safe to see yourself represented by these people, and especially with Julian Edelman, because he has spoken out so many times about being pro-Israel and being proudly Jewish and like wearing cleats in honor of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting in 2018. I covered the Patriots right after that happened, and Julian wore the World Baseball Classic hat from the Israeli national team. Yeah, And I asked him about it, and he just gave me and Mike Reese a pretty brief answer but just to see him making those gestures even post game in the locker room when he knows he's going to be on tv and yeah, he like knows there's wearing the hat. everywhere wearing that hat so in 2018 he honored the pittsburgh shooting and then in 2019 his cleats were for team israel baseball because of the olympic run and i mean that stuff just like it's stuff that i will always remember because it matters like seeing yourself represented by somebody of your own faith it matters and I will always be a Julian Edelman fan because of that. He puts a positive face to the Jewish people and we don't have a lot of those. Like, I know I told you about that funny like joke scene from Airplane with the tiny leaflet of famous Jewish athletes. A lot of famous Jewish people are famous for bad reasons, like Bernie Madoff. So having someone like Julian Edelman, like a Super Bowl champion, amazing football player, having people like him represent us, it's important because it puts a good face to our name. Like to have him make that offer to Deshaun Jackson to be like, I'll take you to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. and then you'll take me to the Museum of African-American History in D.C. That was so powerful to me because he could have been so mad online. Like he could have gotten so pissed off. There have been days this week that I've gotten so pissed off about this stuff. But what Julian Edelman did was so much more productive with his large platform, taking the time to sit down and think about what he wanted to say and extend such a generous offer. In the face of a really upsetting situation, he took the time to say that instead. And I think it was perfect and and so important. And I really hope that they take the opportunity to embark on that experience together. And maybe Deshaun Jackson even reaches out to Steven Jackson and says, dude, you know what? I was wrong. You shouldn't be supporting me. Yeah. Stuff like that, reaching out to each other, trying to see other people's experiences and their perspective. Um, That's what's going to make the difference ultimately. We've been talking about this since this issue of racial inequality really became the headline topic in America. And we've been talking about this forever with the Girl at the Game podcast. You know, it's what we're trying to do and just get those diverse voices amplified so that we can all understand each other a little better, right? Yeah. 
Before we end, I just want to give a shout out to one of our former guests, Kamet Alston, because his photos of Jalen Brown were featured in the special slam issue that Carmelo Anthony guest edited last week. Not a big deal. So proud and honored that he was our guest. And if you missed that episode, it'll be my one of my favorite episodes we did forever because Kamat was such a joy to talk to. And now he's in Slam with his photos. And the issue features Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson, Spencer Haywood, Steven Jackson, interestingly enough, Kareem, obviously, just so many amazing faces. And now Kamat too. So that's amazing. But yeah, I think that's a good place for us to end this week. Because honestly, like I am drained, like talking about this stuff and thinking about this stuff. Like I wasn't alive when all of this stuff was happening in Nazi Germany, but it has been a part of my existence my entire life. Like we learn about it in school. We have Holocaust Remembrance Day every spring. I've been to the Holocaust museums in DC and Israel at least five times. And it's a trauma that is part of being a Jewish person and it's exhausting. And like to deal with it, in this context, to see it in like a current context instead of in a historical context is honestly traumatizing. This world just needs to figure itself out because this stuff is unacceptable and we will all end up destroying each other if we go down this path. That's it. I got nothing left. I got nothing left in the tank. (laughs) So that's our show. That was definitely a lot to sift through. So we appreciate you guys sticking around to dish it all out with us. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Girl at the Game. So you don't miss our next episode. Be sure to subscribe and download our podcast on Libsyn, Spotify, and Apple. And with that, I'm going to go eat some ice cream. And we will send you into this weekend with one of my all-time favorite songs, Let Me Love You by Mario. Have a great weekend, guys. Bye, everyone. Take me, baby. Oh, so close to me. You should.